0: New trend alert. Tell me something honest. Tuckerel game against the Raiders.
1: Might have been a fumble.
0: It's, it's funny how so many people are acting like he's made some deathbed confession. Did you order the code red? You're damn right I did. Come on, he's just having some fun. And It doesn't matter. It was twenty years ago. There's a large percentage of football fans that don't even know what the. Not only was doesn't is, even it know matter. What game was.
1: Not Hi. only doesn't it matter, but hello, Mike. Not only doesn't it matter. Tom Brady did not do this himself. The officials made the ruling. It wouldn't matter if he said, "Yeah, you know, the Martian landed on my shoulder." and forced a fumble it doesn't matter he didn't decide this anyway my two cents
0: that would have been a big story if a martian had landed on his shoulder and forced the fumble that that definitely would have been memorable but look (laughs) there was a great documentary on the tuck rule not that long ago Charles Woodson and Tom Brady got together and rewatched the game and argued about it. And that was fun. But you're right. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't result in someone other than the Patriots winning the Super Bowl to cap the 2001 season. And frankly, if anyone has a real beef about the 2001 season and the Super Bowl, it would be the Rams who lost the game based upon things that their players, some of them, still believe to this day regarding things that happened at the Superdome or didn't the day before. Now, that's all been rescinded, retracted, and forever taken back by the Boston Herald. But remember that little gem that popped up right before Super Bowl 42. So if it was a fumble, if it wasn't a fumble, it doesn't matter. That was the rule on the books. They got rid of it like a decade later because they didn't want it to be too conspicuous. They were getting rid of that rule as a reaction to the fact that It just didn't look like something that should be a fumble. That was the problem with the rule book at the time. They allowed this very specific mechanism to result in a finding that it wasn't a fumble when it looked like a fumble. So they eventually got what our eyes see and what the rules say to match. So when it looks like a fumble, it is a fumble.
1: You know, Mike, my first thought when I heard about this yesterday was, Somebody, whether it be Tom Brady, whether it be a marketing person, whether I I have no idea who somebody says, Hey, you know what we could really do here with this tuck rule game, which is never going to change. The result is never going to change. The result of that season is never going to change, but you know what we could do, we could make this bigger than the immaculate reception. That's what we could do. All we have to do is start talking about it and sort of feeding the beast. The reason why it could be bigger than the immaculate reception is that 70% of all big football fans today at this moment, right now, today either saw that game or knew or know everything about what the they know what the tuck rule game is. And I would bet if you said to 100 football fans of all ages today, do you know what the Immaculate Reception game was? I would bet 25% would know. Certainly not 80% or whatever who would know about the Tucker Rule game. And that to me, I just, and look, I have no idea. Brady might have just woken up and said, hey, let's have some fun here. You know, let's 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 get the conspiracy theorists out there going. He may. Who knows? There might be nothing, whatever, behind this. But that was my first thought. And one of the most overlooked aspects of that play. Can we roll
0: that again, without owing the NFL too much more money? The the uh, what Brady does after the ball's on the ground. Watch what he does here. This was an uncalled foul that would have made that field goal unmakeable. Look at him try to trip 54. Look at him stick his leg up into the crotch of 54 to try to keep him from the ball. That's, that's a 15-yard penalty that was just flat-out missed. So beyond the fact that that sure as hell looks like a fumble, that's definitely a foul as he's trying to impede 54 from getting to the football. That was just never even a thought at the time. I didn't even notice it until fairly recently where it was like a eureka moment because you're looking at the play and the ball, and then you're trying to process was it a fumble or not. There's a foul there, and he's, he's got a history of sticking his foot up in the air like that. He got fined ten grand once for doing it to Ed Reed, and Ed Reed needed hip surgery, and he claimed it was because of that moment from a playoff game, 2011-ish. But that would have been a much tougher kick for Adam Vinatieri if you throw 15 yards on top of that
1: one. Yeah, I mean, look, there's I would bet I and look, I would bet if you rolled back the wide angle view of the immaculate reception that you could find offensive holding by the Steelers or you could find some other something by somebody. You know what I mean? You can do that on any play. That's why you can do that on any play. No, yeah. no, 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 hey, no, listen. no. I'm not going to let
0: you get away with that. You, I'm not, no, 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 no. Time out. Time out. You can get away with that on any play. What happened? This is Tom Brady, after ha- fumbling the ball, putting his foot into the crotch of the guy to keep him from recovering it. How do they miss that, Peter?
1: Wait a minute. Let's see that again. Let's see that again. Did he right. actually make contact with the guy? Let's see it one more time. Did he make uh, contact with him? We're, we're going to really owe the Maybe NFL a lot of
0: money this morning. We're going to have to send a very large check in the basket clips. to 345. Here it is. Here right, it is. Here watch, it watch his foot. Watch it. There it goes. He sticks his leg right up in his crotch and tries to trip him. Keep him from getting to the football. Yeah, but you can't tell whether
1: you can't see whether like, there was any contact. If if Walt Coleman
0: wasn't, wasn't standing there thinking, Oh, God, what, what do I do about this? Maybe he would have noticed the... Uh, the, the foot fly up into the crotch of 54. All right. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't remember who 54 is. Was it Beekert? Was that 54?
1: Kurt I Beekert? I was Greg Beekert. Is that right? Yeah. Gre- I think Greg, Greg Beekert. Beekert. Yeah.
0: Greg or Kurt Beekert. Either way, four letters. People are saying 4 words Beekert. out there watching the show yeah. saying, get to something that's at least happened within the past 20 years. And we are. It's PFT yeah. Live. It's yeah. a Friday morning. <laughs> Peter King and I having a little verbal tussle right out of the gates giving more money into the NFL's coffers by playing their clips over and over again excessively, but we got plenty to talk about here on Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Hello to our good friends in the UK watching on Sky Sports, although I've already been alerted that we're not on the schedule today on Sky on any platform. I've passed it along to my new friend, Brian at Sky, who's been very receptive and responsive to any and all concerns that people have, and I I am regretting that as I'm saying it because I know that that will only encourage people with complaints about the placement of the show on Sky to send me more emails. God bless you, Peter. Uh, Even if you weren't sneezing, God bless you anyway. So let's go ahead and get to it. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, still on the team. Awkward dance. No trade last week during the draft. The Panthers and the Browns were talking about it. The financial difference was far too vast between what the Browns wanted to pay Baker Mayfield as a portion of his $18.8 million guaranteed option year salary and what the Panthers were willing to pay. Couldn't get it done. It's over. Where does Baker Mayfield go? What do the Browns do? It, It occurred to us earlier this week, Peter. And let's start here before we get down the rabbit hole of what is going on between the Browns and Baker Mayfield. I think the Browns have to at least have on their radar screen the possibility they need this guy for all of 2022, if Deshaun Watson should get suspended for all of 2022. And the eureka moment for me last week happened when Major League Baseball suspended Trevor Bauer for two years for off-field sexual assault allegations that didn't result in any prosecution, didn't result in a permanent restraining order being entered against him as filed by the individual who made the initial allegations. There are other allegations Major League Baseball investigated, Different facts, but similar core claims of someone crossing the line in a sexual arena. Maybe Deshaun Watson is going to be out for all of 2022. And maybe the Browns need Baker Mayfield. We're going to pay him $18.8 million guaranteed. We may as well make him the quarterback all year. Jacoby Percet's the six-game guy. Baker Mayfield may be the 17-game guy. Maybe they need to find a way to work this out and have Baker Mayfield ready to go. Your thoughts on that?
1: You don't think that's untenable right now? Like I I, I do. think it's untenable. I
0: do. But from the Browns' perspective, I could look at it and say, hey, this guy wants to make $18.8 million. Show up and work for it.
1: I mean, I suppose so. Tell me what sort of... Um, what what would happen if you invite the Fox back into the hen house? Hmm. And I don't mean at all that Baker Mayfield is, is going to lose on purpose or I, I don't mean that at all. But I mean, you know, you preach chemistry on your team and, and all that other stuff. I, I, and I'm, and look, this is really sort of a new thought because all along I've been thinking this is, it's unworkable. You just got to get him out. That's why you signed Jacoby Brissett. Just play him and take the consequences. And look, I the way I look at this is, Mike, that, that to me, the, the, the Cleveland Browns have sort of made their bed right now with Baker Mayfield. One of the things that's happening right now that you're seeing is Truly, nobody really wants Baker Mayfield. I mean, if he were just sitting there on the side of the road and he were just, he were available to anybody, would the Carolina Panthers pick him up? My guess is probably yes. But they might be the only team. You know, Seattle seems like their view, the Seahawks' view is, listen... He's going to complicate matters here. We'd like to give Drew Locke a real chance to see if he can be a quarterback. You know, he's done some things. I don't think he can. You probably don't think he can. I think they want to. Plus, they're a running team, number one. You know, Seattle and Baltimore, those teams are going to be running teams. And so it almost complicates matters to put him on any of these teams. And I get what you're saying if he wants to make his $18.9 million, make him earn it. And I get it. I understand it. But man, that's that sounds good. But how complex would it be if that's actually what happened?
0: Extremely complex. And the story that landed yesterday from Jake Trotter of ESPN.com that took a deep dive into the lingering hard feelings between Baker Mayfield and the Browns. And I, I know that source guessing, is frowned upon in this establishment. But the fingerprints of Baker Mayfield and his camp are all over that article. Think about the incentives at this point. Do the Browns have any incentive to try to stoke this thing? No, they want it to settle down. So they have the luxury of time. So they can squat on the situation, wait for a trade possibility to arise that isn't there right now. Wait for the possibility of a serious injury to happen to a quarterback elsewhere, and then the Browns and the 49ers are racing to be the ones to trade their incumbent quarterbacks to that team. Or if all else fails and Deshaun Watson is suspended for a full year, have Baker Mayfield in a mindset where he will play a mutually beneficial situation where the Browns need a quarterback and Mayfield needs a place where he can have the kind of year that sets him up for a big payday. That's why it's in his interest. Carolina, Seattle, Cleveland, give me Cleveland if I'm Baker Mayfield. I position myself better for a long-term deal if I'm the quarterback there this year. However, Peter, I agree with you. It is untenable, and when you read the specific allegations made via unnamed sources who spoke to Jake Trotter of ESPN, you get the pretty clear impression that Baker Mayfield has no desire to be in Cleveland, and I interpreted that article as the next chess move, the next effort by Baker to make it clear to the Browns, this is not going to end well if you try to do this. And I don't think the Browns care. I think their chief strategy officer, Paul D. Podesta author of the infamous now four-year plan, has a four-month plan that they intend to fully implement. And, Peter, one of the wrinkles may be, hey, let's, let's, let's nudge this guy a little. Let's put him in a position where maybe he acts up. And we can cut him for reasons unrelated to skill, injury, or cap. Do what the Ravens did to Earl Thomas a couple of years ago. Cut him for personal conduct that is detrimental to the interests of the team or whatever the magic words are from the CBA. And we don't have to pay him anything. Maybe that's what the Browns are hoping for as an off-ramp. Because you know what? They don't have to worry about him going to Pittsburgh anymore now that they have Kenny Pickett. So maybe that's part of the strategy that De Podesta has concocted. I don't know. But I agree with you. It is untenable at this point to have Baker Mayfield as the quarterback of the Browns, but the Browns
1: are not willing to let go of that rope. You know, I've gone through this a lot of times and said, the Browns should do this, the Browns should do that, whatever. You know, it, it appears to me that no one right now is actually going to offer anything to the Cleveland Browns for Baker Mayfield, maybe it'll be a face-saving swap of sixth and seventh round picks, or some horse crap, uh, you know, comp- compensation that really means nothing whatsoever. Okay, but in my opinion, right now, after the enmity that is flying between both sides. My feeling right now, because obviously it seems to me from what we've seen in recent weeks, Baker Mayfield is trying to force the Browns' hand to releasing him. And so if that be the case, if I were the Browns, I'd just make an announcement. We're going to take a little sabbatical here. Unless a team contacts us, we're not going to do anything with Baker right now. The reason you do that, Mike... Is you then say, okay, everybody, we're hanging on to Baker Mayfield. And what we are going to do is we're going to wait until on August 29th, quarterback X slips on a banana peel in franchise (laughs) X. And then they need to go get Baker Mayfield. Okay? So why not do that? Why just... Why not just excommunicate him from your building? Just say, listen, you know, we're not going to find you, nothing like that. Just stay away. And when the time comes, we will uh, let you go. or we'll, we'll, fi- we'll find a place for you. We're not giving you away. We're not releasing you. And so that's probably what I would do right now. They are too deep. Into the he said, she said stuff that is going on right now. That the easiest thing in the world would be to cut him. And I don't, Mike, I don't even know if he's on the street right now. You tell me. If he's on the street right now, what team is going to move aggressively to, to bring him in? Maybe Carolina. Maybe. I'm not even positive Carolina. Well, especially since they drafted
0: Matt Corral once they failed to trade for Baker Mayfield because then they'd have to deal with Sam Darnold. And I'd say Carolina would be the most likely destination just because there isn't any other one that I point to and say, okay, that makes sense. Maybe the Texans, if they could get him for nothing. Maybe, but they could have gotten him as part of the Deshaun Watson trade. But th- at that point he had a value attached to him that maybe the Texans didn't want to recognize. If they could get him for the veteran minimum of one point oh three five million with the Browns paying the rest, then then that could potentially be attractive to the Texans. I'm just not I'm not certain of that. By the way, the whole slipped on the banana peel thing, it takes me back, and I say this knowing full well the piano music is gonna start. But I just remember that growing up. that, that was the that was the thing. The banana peel was the hazard of slipping and falling. Nothing else, nothing else. Not motor oil or water or or somebody's shoes that got left behind. It was always slipped on a banana peel. And Peter, in fifty six years of life, I'm not aware of anyone actually slipping on a banana peel ever. Thank you for playing the music.
1: It's not it's not a normal. I guess it's a I guess it's a bad cliche on my part but no, 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 it's not. I just, it's just slipped on the whirlpool. (laughs) But, but it's just amazing to me. It
0: is baked in to the sayings that have been around for as long as you and I have been around, but I'm not aware of anyone ever actually doing it. And I don't regard a banana peels all that slippery. I guess you'd have to step on it just right. And it, you know, out goes your foot and down goes your ass anyway. Um, Here's an idea that someone raised with me several weeks ago, and I forgot about it, and now it's finally bursting through the neurons in my brain. If Baker Mayfield really wants out, if he really wants to be released by the Browns, there's something he could do, and it's akin to something his now nemesis OBJ did back in early November. Remember what he did, Peter? Gave up some money. You want out? Hey, Baker, you want out? Let's cut that eighteen-eight in half. Let's, come, let's strike a deal where we save some of our money and you get to go somewhere else right now. And maybe the, the Browns hope that Baker Mayfield presses pause on being pissed off about the circumstance and thinks, hmm, maybe if I just say I'll take half of what you owe me, that's a lot to give up. It's a lot to give up, especially when you're going to pay half of it in taxes anyway. But if that's the ticket out, and the sooner you get out, the sooner you lay the foundation for what comes next, and you handpick the best destination with an eye toward 2023, that's what he needs to be thinking about. 2023. I need to be in a place where I can play and play well and set the table for myself for 23 he doesn't want to be part of an awkward dance in Cleveland when teams are evaluating him for next year because you know when you talk about the Browns saying you just stay home and we'll wait for the banana peel or something else slippery uh, Mayfield may say no I'm showing up you got to deal with me I'm going to be here every day with bells on I'm not gonna I'm not going to be a problem I'm going to be I'm going to be Extremely well behaved. He'll be the ultimate Eddie Haskell since we're making very dated references today. He will do and say everything he's supposed to, no matter what is raging inside of him. He will give them no reason to be upset. And but you got to deal with me. You already got 22 distractions from your starting quarterback. What's another distraction? Here I am. Deal with me. So th- this is. This is a mess, and it all flows from the Browns' stubbornness. You know, the 49ers are stubborn, the Browns are stubborn. And the Browns are determined to get value for this asset that they have without fully acknowledging the human problems they're inviting by clinging to Baker Mayfield's contract.
1: I honestly don't think the 49ers are being stubborn at all. I think they were were going to be able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo before he had the shoulder surgery. Once he had the shoulder surgery, that flew out the window, I think. But, Mike, here's the other part of this that, to me, you need to think about. Let's say if Baker Mayfield said, hey, let's, let's, let's cut the check in half. And let's say that I will shut up and go away and be a good boy for $9.4 million. Let's just say that, or whatever the number is. All right? Then comes this problem. Where do you go where you're going to get a real opportunity to play this year? Suppose you say that, you pick Carolina, and Sam Darnold starts the year on a roll, and you're stuck, and there's been three quarterback injuries out there during training camp and in the first two weeks of the season. That's why I say... Just wait. Here's the thing that, you know, I think the viewers need to realize that, yes, it's $18.9 million. It's basically $1.1 million a week that Baker Mayfield is going to make in 2022 as of now. But understand this. He will not make a dime until the Tuesday after Labor Day. That's when, if you're on a roster, and correct me if I'm wrong on my exact date, but if he's on a roster on the day after Labor Day, he's eligible for week one pay. So then the Browns would have to pay him his $1.1 million weekly salary. It is $18.9 million divided by 18. That's the number of game weeks. So $1.01 million in essence, or $1.05 million. So, the bottom line in this is, he can wait, and the Browns can wait, to find a team that actually might need him, or he could guess, and probably guess wrong, and be left just to shake his head on October 18th when he said, oh my god, there's three teams that I know I could be playing for right now. You make a great point, and I don't want to get
0: bogged down in what I'm about to say next, but the 2020 CBA did adjust the way guys are paid to spread it over a longer period of time and into the off season, so they don't have this concentration of extreme wealth for four months and nothing for eight months. So there's a chance Isn't he's that the player's getting option? paid. Well, and maybe, and maybe he opted. That's something that's... You've given me something that if I remember after the show, I'm going to poke around to see if Baker Mayfield is already yeah. receiving checks from the Cleveland Browns. But it's a good point. Um if he hasn't opted to do that and if he's waiting for the full 188 but either way he's he's, get, he's got 188 in the bank as long as he doesn't give the browns a reason unrelated to skill injury or cap to cut him and then there would be a grievance and they they last forever and but still that that would be a path away from it and when you have a chief strategy officer you assume he strategizes and that would be at least a data point that you take into consideration as you come up with your strategy. But, you know, the the broader point now is there isn't a destination. And you're right. It's beneficial to the Browns and him to wait. But, Peter, w- what what do you really, I mean, look, Teddy Bridgewater is once in 50 years a non-contact practice, a walkthrough in late August, and they're all walkthroughs, where his knee completely gives out. Now it's entirely possible. he it suffered the injury during limited duty in the Chargers preseason game that happened just a few days before that. And then the knee went the rest of the way in that walkthrough. That's what happened to Deshaun Watson. He suffered his torn ACL. He told us at the Super Bowl a few years ago against the Seahawks, and it went at a walkthrough practice three days later. But the chances of that happening, think of how limited the exposure is of starting quarterbacks in the preseason now. They've got the red jersey on all the time. You just don't get injured like we see injuries at other positions. So you're really waiting for something that most likely isn't going to happen if you're waiting for an injury. Now, if you're waiting for ineffectiveness and for a team to look around and say, what the hell are we going to do now? Maybe. But even then, Peter, even, even if it's injury or ineffectiveness, what do we hear all the time from these teams? And maybe this was just the mechanism to keep Colin Kaepernick out of the league. But what do we hear? We hear next man up. Next man up, we're fine with who we have. We have somebody who knows our offense. We'd rather go with somebody who knows what we do and not have to get a stranger up to speed. So I, I don't know that that would be a roadblock for Baker Mayfield, but we have to at least take that into account. You know, the Vikings had Sean Hill as the backup to Teddy Bridgewater, so they they go scorched earth trying to find somebody else, and it was to the benefit of the Eagles. We got a 1-4 and a four for Sam Bradford. I don't know what... A team is going to do if they lose a quarterback because the next question is who's our backup and are we comfortable going with him instead of making this deal with the Browns who will then you know they'll they'll, they'll rub their hands together and wait to do a hard bargain with this new team so um, I think it's a lot of ifs it's a lot of contingencies and it, 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 they may run this all the way up to the trade deadline it may be just like OBJ and that they run it all the way up to the trade deadline and then cut him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike, I would look one more time at the Minnesota Vikings, and I'd look at Sean Mannion, and I'd look at Kevin O'Connell. He's not married to Sean Mannion. Now, maybe he'll fall in love with him this year in the offseason. I don't know. But I look at teams that don't have really good backup situations. But anyway, be that as it may, I mean, to me, if you're Baker Mayfield, one of the reasons why I'm not cutting that deal with the Cleveland Browns right now is there isn't an obvious team that I would say, hey, I'd really love to be there. I mean, look, maybe he would say Carolina. But now, especially after drafting a rookie quarterback that they seem to have some interest in, you know, I think, you know what was really telling to me? And one of the reasons why I ended up thinking right before the draft that the Carolina Panthers are taking a tackle is that David Tepper came out a few days before the draft at their draft press conference and said essentially that we got to be patient. Rome wasn't built in a day. This is a long process. I've got to be more patient. And I, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just said they're taking a tackle. And they're not going to take the quarterback, even if they're a little bit tempted to do so. And Mike, you know what? I don't ever think they were overwhelmingly tempted to take Kenny Pickett. I think they thought it would be an interesting way to go about it. But in essence, they have learned, I think, over the last year or so, our line stinks. And if we (laughs) don't fix that line, it doesn't matter if we get Joe Montana at quarterback. It doesn't matter. We eventually are going to get the quarterback hurt. We're not going to be able to run the ball well enough. Let's take the best tackle that we can find. And that's exactly what this draft became for them.
0: Bottom line for the Browns and Baker Mayfield, if everything was working towards some sort of a negotiated compromise, and everybody was on the same page, and they understood that there's a benefit to patients and there 's a plan that Baker Mayfield has bought into that article wouldn 't have happened yesterday that article to me I agree. when you look at all totally. of the various things totally in there, it, that, that that article is an effort by Mayfield to to get out of Cleveland. And the Browns know him well enough to know that that's how he does business. That's one of the problems. The Browns, from what I've heard, Peter, and you may have heard the same thing, the Browns have become exasperated not just with how he is to deal with in the building, but with the idea that he runs, they believe, to the media or someone close to him runs to the media with any and all
1: grievances he may have, and it's one of the reasons they decided they had enough of him. To me, I think they look at Baker Mayfield as nettlesome. I you know, and when you have a quarterback who is nettlesome, who's not going to be on the same page with everybody on the team in the organization, then they've got a problem with that. And look, I am I I must say about all this if I'm Baker Mayfield, I am angry about a lot of things and rightfully so. Last year he played knowing that and again, I, I I personally I really like Case Keenum as a backup quarterback a lot. But Baker Mayfield I you know took it on himself to say I am going to play until they have to drag me off the field. And because you know I want to give us the best chance to win plus I want to play. I, this is how I was raised. If you can walk and chew gum at the same time, you're playing football, okay? And so that is why, to me, he's mad right now, that he sacrificed uh, his season last year. He could have pulled a Ben Simmons, you know, probably with a hangnail, but he could have pulled a Ben Simmons and just said, hey, man, I'm not healthy enough to play and nobody, would have, nobody really would have said anything to about him, and they would have done this surgery. Maybe he would have come back before the end of the year, maybe not, who knows. But if I were Baker Mayfield, I would have ended last season, and especially after their flirting with Deshaun Watson, as a real angry young man. Having said all that, though, at some point, you got to take a deep breath. And Mike, I'm going to change the subject, but you'll understand why I'm changing the subject. I had a half-hour conversation yesterday with Tyron Matthew. And I said to him, Tyron, the last two years in Kansas City were two of your best years in the NFL. And you don't even get a contract offer of any kind from Kansas City? That's That's got to hurt, basically, you know? And he goes, it really hurt. and But he reminded me of how Bobby Wagner talked after what happened in Seattle. He basically said, I love Andy Reid. I love that organization. And yeah, am I disappointed? Without any question, I'm angry. But I have to look at the long view. And I have to look at, the way life sometimes doesn't go exactly what you want. They don't want a 30-year-old safety. They don't want to pay him any guaranteed money. Okay, I think that's a huge mistake, but whatever. They decided to do that. I had to take a few deep breaths so I didn't pop off. And 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 that, to me, is probably the difference between a veteran guy who has seen the landscape who knows that life isn't always fair in the NFL, and a guy like Baker Mayfield, who now, if he has any, had anything to do with that story, is basically going scorched earth. And now, if you're the Browns, and if I'm the Browns, and truly, if I'm the Browns and I had nothing to do with that story yesterday, I'm going to say, okay, let's just let Baker sit and, and lob his Molotov cocktails at Berea, Ohio from Texas. And we're just going to ignore him.
0: The one thing that really struck me of all of the various bits and pieces that were contained in the ESPN article, and we have a breakdown of it at PFT. We have a link back to the article if you want to read the whole thing. It's long, but there's a lot there. The one thing that really struck me, the belief from Baker Mayfield's camp that week 17 Monday Night Football at Pittsburgh, they tried to make him look Hapless. They tried to make him look inept. They tried to make him look bad and left him in the game all the way until the end when he threw an interception just to justify the plan, the strategy, the thing that they ultimately did, which was go hunting for a new franchise quarterback and ultimately getting Deshaun Watson. That, to me, suggested... They're going to have one hell of a time mending fences. That these fences are unmendable between Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. If he and his camp believe that they set out to make him look bad in prime time, so it would be easier to justify this big move that they were plotting in the offseason.
1: I mean, you know, I'm sure Kevin If he Spesky believes that, right or wrong, that, yeah... Right or wrong? But if I he mean, believes
0: that, Peter, how do you get yeah. him to unbelieve
1: that? I, I, I mean, it just it's a great example of why you should move on at quarterback. Do you think Kevin Stefanski or, or anybody in that organization said, this guy has played, whether we like him as a person or not, he's played heroically this year. Uh, heroically is the wrong word. He's played through significant injury this year. So let's put them out on national TV and embarrass them. I mean, that is such a ridiculous contention. Uh, uh, dysfunctional if, teams do dysfunctional indeed things. Yeah. yeah. It that, maybe it wasn't Stefanski's call. can tell you Maybe it wasn't his I call. I can tell you this. Maybe it's Paul DePodesta's call. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. If they did that, some of those people should be fired and never hired in the NFL again. Period. I mean, that's, that's, that is cruel and unusual punishment if that happened. To me, that's a ridiculous statement. Well, but Mayfield and or his camp believe it, which illustrates
0: how badly things have gone between player and team and how this is going to continue to be a thing. And you're right. The Browns' best approach for now is to ignore it, say nothing, do nothing, and hope and wait and pray that somewhere, somehow – an opportunity arises to trade Baker Mayfield. You know, I've been saying from the get-go, once you do your deal with Deshaun Watson, once you decide to give him five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed, you make the trade, he's your guy, just treat Baker Mayfield as a sunk cost and move on. This idea that we're going to cling to this contract, that this is a commodity that we own, this gets back to something Sims and I were talking about yesterday. The idea that, that teams own players. You know, we, we've we've started to see the league get away from that. They're allowing players who aren't happy to find other situations for themselves. The Packers trading Devonte Adams to the team he wanted to play for. Tyree Kill being traded to the team he wanted to play for. Other players, AJ Brown, getting out of Tennessee and going to Philadelphia the attitude of, we have this piece of paper that you signed your name to, therefore we can do whatever the hell we want, and you can't say a damn thing about it if you're happy or not. I talked to Chris Ballard about this the other day. He thinks that, and I think more teams realize this, it's not good for your team if you have people there who don't want to be there. It just is not a presence that is conducive to winning football games. And he he borrowed the Mike Tomlin quote. We want volunteers. Not hostages. And I think more teams are realizing that. And it makes it more glaring, Peter, when there's a team that re- retreats to the old school mindset. You signed a contract. You live with it. Oh, you don't want to be here? Too bad. You signed a contract. We own you. Too bad. You're not happy? Too bad. Too bad. I, you, <laughs> I, huh, my, well, I used to say to my mom, I'm mad. I don't, I, I, I'm making no comment on whether or not this was appropriate parenting. It wouldn't be appropriate today. She'd say, rub your ass and get glad. It worked. You can't do that anymore to play. I mean, no, this is not how it works in the NFL. If a guy's mad, if a guy's unhappy, you're only hurting your own interests in forcing him to stick around. So, long point, bearable. Why do they insist? Why not just set him? Why not just be done with it? Accept it as part of the cost of getting Deshaun Watson.
1: That was an issue for when they got Deshaun Watson, and maybe they should have done that at the time, Mike. Um, but to do it now, uh, you know, and again, we don't know exactly how this story came about and some of the accusations in this story, but I almost think now it's the classic case of if you play your cards right, if you work behind the scenes, give me my release, you know, let's do the right thing. But it's almost like, uh, you know it's almost like baker mayfield has an epay you know or a little sword or, or or something and he's just he's just digging it into him continually i'll show you guys i'm going to get angry i am going to get my revenge for having gotten jobbed for playing hurt last year this is my reward you go sign a guy for 230 million guaranteed without ever telling me that this was a real chance that this was going to happen. So I'll get you and, and look, what's the right thing to do right now. At least right now, if I were the Browns, I'd hang on to them until somebody out there really needed a quarterback.
0: The Browns are the only team in the NFL that I know of that has a chief strategy officer, and sometimes the best strategy is no strategy. And just not overthink it. Don't outsmart yourself. Don't overcomplicate your life. And think of the human factors at play here. And even if it is a bad precedent or even if you may get criticized by, you know, uh, by your peers, oh, I can't believe the Browns didn't get anything for Baker Mayfield. They're a bunch of idiots. So what? There's a point where you just have to rip off the Band-Aid and move On, They should have done it when they traded for Deshaun Watson, and the longer this lasts, they know what they're dealing with. And unless their grand plan, Peter, is to sit and wait for Baker Mayfield to cross a line that allows them to say, you get cut. And you don't get paid. Even that, you don't want that. You don't want a Terrell Owens situation from 2005. Look what that did to the Eagles. They didn't make it to the playoffs that year, and they had a team that had just nearly won the Super Bowl the prior season. You don't want that kind of poisonous attitude and mindset and dysfunction in your team. That's what the Browns should have realized weeks ago. And the sooner they realize it, the better off they'll be. I think I've realized we should take a break. We're going to regroup because we've got plenty of other things we want to discuss. Before we go, though, let me just point out this. My cousin texted me on the issue of the slipping on a banana peel, something that no one has ever actually witnessed or heard of. Quicksand. Great point. I grew up scared to death of quicksand. You're always hearing about getting caught in quicksand and just sinking into the bowels of the earth. Has anybody ever seen quicksand anywhere? Where is there quicksand? But did you have the same experience? Like quicksand is the worst thing you could ever land in? Nobody. I've never seen quicksand. Yes.
1: And then I never saw it. Is there such a thing as quicksand? I don't know the answer. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know of anybody that's ever been in it other than
0: in a movie. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll have more PFT Live for you right after this. All right, after spending plenty of time trying to figure out what in the world is going to happen with Baker Mayfield, and I think it's one of the hot topics right now in the NFL, another question is percolating in San Francisco. They have Jimmy Garoppolo under contract. As Peter mentioned last segment, John Lynch, the GM of the team, said earlier this week they were very close to trading Garoppolo, and then he goes off-site for shoulder surgery and that throws a wrench in everything and they're waiting for him to get healthy garoppolo said within the past couple of weeks he thinks it'll be in time for training camp so nothing is going to happen there they want 25 million if he's on the roster week one he's got a seven and a half million dollar injury guarantee they have to worry about until he's cleared to play but everyone expects he'll be cleared to play the real question and this has been set up under the premise that And Kyle Shanahan spoke to this effect at the league meetings. The idea was Jimmy moves on and Trey Lance becomes the starter. But Peter, I have been hearing for months now, and this goes back to last year, because it's not like Lance came in and lit it up. And there was an expectation he was going to play more than he did last year. That didn't happen. Now, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan was just being sensitive to Jimmy Garoppolo, who told Adam Schein a couple of weeks ago he wouldn't wish last year's experience on anyone that's how weird it was so maybe Shanahan deliberately backed off to make it easier for Jimmy to run the team when Lance started against the Texans he wasn't great he was good enough to get the win but it was the Texans for crying out loud th- th- there's been this lingering nagging concern that ricochets around the NFL grapevine that they just aren't sure that trey lance is ready and there's extra pressure after you give up three first round picks and a third round pick to get him there's extra pressure on the team there's extra pressure on him then you've got garoppolo still part of the team i don't know how conducive that is to helping trey lance feel appropriate appropriately comfortable about going forward as the starter but that's the great unknown here is he ready and does the team fear that he may not be ready? That may, and, and you know maybe, just maybe, we know there's a bust rate at every position in the draft, no matter whether you're first, second, third, first round, second round, third round, anywhere, there's a bust rate. Uh, do, do, do we have any confidence, we as the outsiders or they as the insiders, have any confidence that Trey Lance is going to be the guy that they thought when they gave up all that stuff to get him, Peter? That's the real question.
1: Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why Uh, even though I'm sure that at the end of last year, there were assurances given to Jimmy Garoppolo that we're going to do everything in our power to find a great home for you. Maybe they actually said to him, we're definitely going to trade you. I don't know. Okay? But whatever was said right now, as we sit here on May 6th, if I were the San Francisco 49ers, Knowing that you can't really get anything for Garoppolo after surgery, uh, and you know you you might might be able to get something you know closer to training camp, but probably not. I would do I would do the same thing that Jed York did last year, when Jed York remember uh, it was around this time last year he said, "Listen, we will keep Jimmy Garoppolo if that is the best thing for our team." even though he's got a cap number and is going to make all this money, $24 million, whatever it was. I would do the exact same thing this year as much as Garoppolo would find it uh, probably distasteful. I guess what I would say to Garoppolo is, what would you rather do? Go, stay on a team that made the Final Four last year knowing that there's a very good chance that you're probably going to start more than half the games. Or or go to a team where you're the number two quarterback. A team that might stink, by the way. You know, that that to me, this is what it means sometimes to take a deep breath and to shut up and to basically say that I got to be an adult here, which I think Jimmy Garoppolo very, very much is. By the way, knowing him some the way that I do. But I'll just say one other thing, Mike. I think that once Kyle Shanahan last year said we are not going to have sort of a package every week for Trey Lance. We don't want to confuse the situation. We don't want to make so that every week there's oh what's what's Trey Lance going to do this week and and what you know how much is he going to be involved this week? Cuz it was clear last year that I think that Kyle Shanahan did not want to muddy the waters. He didn't want to have Trey Lance come in at some point, play great after maybe Garoppolo had had a crummy game or two and say, oh, you got to play Trey Lance. He thought that that was going to be too divisive. So now, over the last three years, Trey Lance has had basically three starts in football. He had a fairly lousy start against Central Arkansas. You know, in basically in his last year of college football. And then last year, he had kind of a crummy start against the Cardinals and an okay start against the Houston Texans. And that's it. Otherwise, we've just seen cameos of Trey Lance that we really don't know. But, and I guess I would just say this, Mike, and I don't mean to monopolize this, but you're never really going to know about Trey Lance until you make a game plan for him. And until you say, go execute this game plan, let's go win this game. That's kind of how I feel about it. So while maybe he's not been great in any aspect of practice, whatever it is, I think you're never really going to know unless you hand the reins to him and said, all right, kid, you're the quarterback for the next four games. Let's see what you got.
0: I also think that Kyle Shanahan has been around long enough to know or at least to make projections based on things he sees or doesn't see in practice or preseason games or whenever a guy has an opportunity to play. And I say that because I recall last year there was a preseason game. I think it was against the Chargers. And I remember Sims' assessment of it after the fact. And Sims is very close with Kyle Shanahan, although Shanahan doesn't talk to him anymore because, because Sims is in the media. But Chris's assessment was Garoppolo struggled in that game. And this was the golden opportunity for Lance to come take the job, to take it over, and to show Kyle Shanahan he was ready. And he didn't. And it was within a few weeks after that that the whole Lance package went away, and we never heard much about him, never saw much about him. He had the knee injury from the one game he played against the Cardinals. It took him a while to come back from that. And then we saw him again against the Texans. You're right. We're not going to know whether or not a guy gets it done week in and week out in the regular season until he goes out and does it. And it was Patrick Mahomes, week one of the 2018 season, his second NFL campaign, when all of a sudden, all of a sudden we see, holy crap, where, where was this guy hiding all of last year? And that's what the 49ers hope to get to. But until Garoppolo is gone, the possibility is that Garoppolo will be the guy who's playing. it. Peter, there's one important point about Garoppolo's contract, because it's not guaranteed. Okay, Once he passes a physical, his $7.5 million injury guarantee goes away. He's got a $25 million salary that doesn't become guaranteed until week one. If you're a four-year or more veteran, you can take the balance of your salary as termination pay. If you're cut after week one, it makes your salary guaranteed as a practical matter. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm concerned that I go through training camp, preseason, and I think I'm making $25 million this year, week before the start of the season. John Lynch, Parag Marate, Kyle Shanahan—some combination of the three come to me and they say, "You know, Jimmy, we've seen enough from Trey to think he's ready. So we kind of want to start the season with him. So twenty-five million is a lot to pay for a backup, and you know there aren't many other options out there. Nobody else is going to pay twenty-five million for a backup at this point. Depth charts are set. We think we should pay you ten, and we think you should take ten. And if you don't take ten, then we got to do what's best for the team." we got to release you. Then he's screwed if it comes to that. He's got nothing if it comes to that. He's a man without a country and a man without a salary if it comes to that. That's why it's more imperative for Garoppolo to be the one rattling cages to get out of San Francisco than Mayfield's got his money guaranteed. Garoppolo's got the potential. There's a way that that needle gets threaded, that he gets screwed. And I think that's why Peter... We've seen, like, he's been doing media recently. It's kind of like, boy, this is kind of weird. That Like, all of a sudden, Jimmy is doing this show and this show and that show, and he's offering up sound bites like, it was strange last year. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I think in his own way, he's trying to jostle for a release differently than Mayfield. He's wired differently. But he's at risk of something Mayfield isn't. Which is the possibility of getting squeezed to take less than his less than half of his salary or even yeah, even maybe even less than ten million. Who knows what they'll what they'll propose to him when he has no other options. That's the risk he's taking if he if he just says, I'm fine with
1: my current situation. I just will say this. I don't think that is who Jimmy Garoppolo is. And again, I realize that is a little bit of a fairy tale thing to say. I I do and I understand and I understand that's not the business world. But I cannot see Jimmy Garoppolo starting to be oh, what's the right word? I cannot see Jimmy Garoppolo starting to be real calculating like that. I I just can't see it. And what Hang on. One of the I'll let you finish,
0: but I got a po- I go got two
1: points. Go ahead. No, you go. I want to hear them. I want to hear them. Well,
0: okay. And I'm I'm not accusing you of spreading 49ers talking points. I just think they've been so good at right. getting others to spread the talking points, they've gotten baked into the narrative. Frankly. That, that this is a 49ers talking point. This is not reality. Because, Peter, he went and got the surgery. You say he's not calculating? He didn't tell the 49ers he was going to get shoulder surgery. That was an FU to the 49ers. A very subtle, low-key. I think the difference is Baker Mayfield is going to flash his middle fingers right here. Jimmy Garoppolo is more likely to flash it at you under the table. So... I, I just I think that the idea that Jimmy's a great guy Jimmy wouldn't do that Jim, Jimmy's sweet on you I think that's all 49er propaganda that has made its way through reporters and other talking heads who are on the payroll directly or indirectly and they become part of the narrative that we all
1: accept I don't buy it this is this is to me it's not Jimmy propaganda it is my knowledge of how Jimmy Garoppolo operates and look, it's possible that he is putting on a great act and does a great show and everything. I find Jimmy Garoppolo to be, and again, this is a bad thing to say. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is dishonorable and that Jimmy Garoppolo is honorable. And maybe this doesn't have to do with honor or dishonor, but it doesn't strike me as Jimmy Garoppolo that he is going to start to put things out there that would really kind of put the team in a bad light. I just don't see him doing that. This and Mike, you, you, and whoever can think whatever they want. I this is this is not me listening to. Jed York or John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan or anything like that. This is my personal experience in four or five long conversations over the years with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't see him as a guy who is going to be as calculating as that. And again, I could be wrong. You could be right. We'll see. But I just don't see it happening.
0: What what I would say then... If this is true, if your assessment is accurate, and I have no reason to doubt it because I've never spoken to him in my life. I would say to my countrymen, my paisano, if I may, I would say it's time to wake up. It's time to grow up and it's time to realize the business that you've chosen. This is, Jimmy, the business you've chosen. And they, meaning the 49ers and every other team in the league, is cold, is calculating, will cut your heart out with a smile on your face if it suits the best interests of the team. That's what they do. They always take care of their best interests. You need to take okay, care. Okay, but isn't of your their best interest? interest you right need now, to have a
1: plan. is isn't their best interest right now to maintain a good relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, no. Until they cut him right before that he week one, might have to play. No, not not cutting him. Not cutting him. I'm saying, I'm saying he might have to. You know, they were a Final Four team with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, His I teammates love Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, no matter I even agree. whether he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback, whatever it is, he might they have to this play mess. for them this year. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But, Peter, here's the point. Here's the
0: point. 49ers want to have maximum flexibility so they can make the decisions that are in the best interest of the team at every given point in the offseason, training camp, Preseason. Hey, we show up for training camp. Jimmy's healthy. Jimmy's throwing the ball. Jimmy's running the offense. Trey, what's up with Trey? Maybe maybe we shouldn't have drafted Trey. Trey, Trey, it's time. Trey, it's time for your close-up. It's time to get ready to play. They need to have that protection. I agree with you. But if Jimmy signs on for this, he is assuming the risk that Trey balls out, that Trey's the better player that the future is now for the 49ers, and they make that decision. They make that decision in the best interest of the 49ers. We can't justify. This isn't a charity. Sorry, Jimmy, but, uh, the, but the, we're not here to just give money out that isn't justified. Trey Lance has proven he's the starter. You're the backup. We can't pay you $25 million. So you either take 10, or we have to end this relationship. I'm sure you understand we're acting in our best interest. That's my point. That's my point to Jimmy Garoppolo. They are always going to make the decisions that are in their best interest. You have to make the decisions that are in your best interest. And I think that surgery is exhibit A, that he's thinking that way and acting that way. And it may not be his decision. This is the other side of it, too. You got Don Yee representing him. And somebody, I think, is giving him some advice that is aimed at piercing through his nature and getting him to protect himself against the cold, ruthless business decisions that will be made, regardless of whether or not he gets to play this year or gets his money this year or ends up looking around like John Travolta, that scene in Pulp F- uh, Fiction that, that's a meme where he's like looking around like that could be Jimmy Garoppolo week one. I don't have a team. I don't have a job. I don't have a salary. I don't have squats.
1: I'm not saying that's impossible, and it may be because they're very snug up to the cap right now anyway. They're trying to salvage the Debo samuel relationship. They've got Bosa to worry about. They have some salary headaches. There's no question about that. I can't tell you what's going to happen prior to week one. I don't know the answer to that. But if I were Garoppolo, and it came prior to week one, and they had that conversation with me, I'd be very disappointed if I were him.
0: Well, and uh, the bottom line is this. Every team in the NFL and the 49ers are no different than the rest. If anything, I think they are more calculating and more strategizing than most. They have a plan. They're always going to do what's right for them. They're going to cut guys if it's in their best interest, trade guys if, if it's in their best interest, squat on guys for as long as they can if it's in their best interest, which they're doing with Garoppolo. And at the end of the day, they're going to do what's right for them, and they're not going to apologize for it. And Jimmy needs to realize he needs to have that same attitude about his career. He's made plenty of money, but he's got $25 million hanging in the balance. And, and, and you know what? At, the, at this point, Peter's best play may be Maybe to love the one he's with. Maybe to show up and win the Me job. Too. I think that's or, right. I mean,
1: I because that's what, right.
0: no one wants him now. No one wants him. No one's going to trade for him. Yeah. He's, he's stuck in line behind Baker Mayfield. If nobody's trading for Baker Mayfield, sure as hell nobody's trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. His best play is to get cut and hope the Texans would bring him in and let him compete with Davis Mills because I think he'd be better for them than Davis Mills. He'd get them to nine and eight, I think. I think he's good enough to get you in contention. He's just not good enough to win a Super Bowl for you. The Texans aren't thinking about winning a Super Bowl. So I I think the Texans are his best play if he'd get cut. But for now, his best play is get healthy and... uh, and play well enough to win the job, even if last year was something he wouldn't wish on anybody. He's just going to have to come up with the right mindset because he's got no choice. It's part of the contract. I mean, that, again, this is, the, this is the, the disconnect right now in the NFL. You've got teams that will let unhappy guys go, that will respect their wishes and tear up the contract. Then you got other teams that are going to cling to that contract. And that's what the 49ers are doing. The 49ers have this right, they have this power, and they're going to take full advantage of it. And uh, Mayfield and Garoppolo, two fascinating examples, Peter, that are just going to – they're going to continue to provide us things to talk about and think about and just wonder what's going to happen as the season approaches and maybe once we get into the season. Maybe both guys are still going to be with their respective teams. We just spent – hey, Mike,
1: Mike, we just spent 64 minutes talking about two guys who might be number two quarterbacks – might be unemployed quarterbacks. Now, Garoppolo's is not going to be unemployed. But is that that is that is the power of PFT right there. Well, it's 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 the
0: reality that these are the big stories that are capturing the attention of people and we got rookie minicamps this weekend. We will have more to talk about next week about what
1: but we we're,
0: we're post draft. These these are these are two significant items of unfinished business post-draft that are hovering over the National Football League. And it does affect not just the teams they're with, but potentially other teams if there would be interest in these guys. And there is this sense that the approach taken by the two teams cuts against what the prevailing attitude is by teams who are being more compliant and more willing to facilitate the wishes of players. We're, we're at a strange point in the NFL where there, there is not quite a critical mass of teams, but plenty of teams who are viewing players differently than they ever have before. They are regarding them as human beings who have rights, who have preferences, and who may not want to be part of the team. And in in face of that, we've got two old-school mindsets with the Browns and the 49ers where the teams are just crossing their arms saying, we're not doing anything. Sorry, you don't want to be here? Too freaking bad. That's what's so fascinating about it to me.
1: you got the Baltimore Ravens. And Hollywood Brown. Which Good one I believe that Perfect. I believe that that if that if you know when I was in Baltimore last weekend and I do believe that if they're talking about the best fifty three man roster for their team this coming year, you know, Hollywood Brown would certainly be a part of that. Now you could argue that, you know, a ten year center versus Hollywood Brown give us the ten year center because Hollywood Brown last year, you know, largely in Greg Roman's offense, kind of a decoy, 11 yards a a reception instead of being the deep threat that really gets guys paid. I understand that. But what I am saying is that I don't think deep in their heart of hearts, they wanted to trade Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown wanted out. And instead of, uh, you know, Harbaugh and DaCosta and Bishotti saying, hey, listen, you signed a contract with us, you're our property, get over it, you're on the team this year, and then we'll figure out next year, next year. They said, look, you're obviously, and again, I'm putting words in their mouth, I don't know, you're obviously miserable, you want out, we're going to give you a reunion with Kyler Murray, and we're going to get our long-term center in the process. And so to me, I think that was something that worked for both teams, but in an ideal world, I think the Ravens would have rather had uh, Hollywood Brown on their team this year.
0: They wanted him. They wanted to keep him. It tormented Eric DaCosta. We're going to talk more about the Ravens draft experience later in the program, but it's a great point. And it's just another example. Packers with Adams, Chiefs with Hill, Titans with Brown, AJ, Ravens with Brown, Hollywood, willing to let a guy go. Meanwhile, Browns and 49ers with guys that they don't want, especially the Browns. 49ers, who knows? Browns definitely don't want Baker Mayfield, and they're not letting him go. And it's more glaring when you consider what these other teams are doing with other players. And it's it's a strange time in the NFL that you've got different teams with that different attitude toward players who don't want to be there anymore. Does Debo Samuel not want to be in San Francisco anymore? We thought he did not. What does his recent social media activity mean that and more when we do fill in the blank next here on this friday edition of pfp